Hello and welcome to the Food Navigator podcast, your deep dive into the issues shaping the future of food. I'm Food Navigator journalist Katie Askew and in this episode we're talking about the importance of health and nutrition to the kids' food category. Childhood nutrition can influence health outcomes for a lifetime. You're probably pretty familiar with the statistics, which in the UK make for quite grim reading. One in three kids will leave primary school overweight or obese. And it isn't just about junk food or fizzy drinks. Lots of kids aren't getting enough of the positive nutrients that they need for development. About a third of our kids are eating less than one portion of vegetables a day, and that's a worrying thing for their for their health and well-being. Dan Parker, project lead and chief marketing officer at Veg Power there. Dan's worked in advertising for 25 years, having pioneered online and mobile marketing for some of the world's largest food and grocery brands. He knows only too well the influence that advertising has on children. As part of non-profit Veg Power, he wants to use this insight to get kids eating their greens. So Veg Power exists to encourage children to eat more vegetables, and that and that's vegetables, uh, all vegetables, whether they're fresh or they're frozen or they're canned or they're part of ready meals or various other products that vegetables might come in, where there is actually really genuinely a vegetable, a portion of vegetables that counts as one of your five a day. And um, what we do is we have a, a big national TV advertising campaign, lots of celebrity support and a schools program that goes out to about half a million kids. It's all about getting kids to view vegetables a bit differently, see the fun in vegetables, play with vegetables and enjoy eating vegetables. For years, the grown-ups have been keeping the veg invasion at bay. But they can't do it alone. They need your help, kids. You're going down, peas. It's crunch time. Get soup. Join the fight. Eat them to defeat them. A clip from the campaign there. UK listeners with primary school aged kids are probably pretty familiar with Eat Them to Defeat Them by now. So what's the response been? Has this approach struck a chord with kids? It's terrific, actually. So I mean, this main campaign that we run called Eat Them to Defeat Them, we've just finished the third year this year and we're, we're, we're starting to get organised for year four in, in 2022. And... What's encouraging is if, if we take people who've just been exposed to the TV and celebrity and social campaign, we have about 21% of kids saying that they eat more vegetables as a result. And, and we survey the parents as well, and they support that. So it's about 1.2 million kids who are saying they're eating more veg in response to the campaign. But if we look at the kids where we've also got the schools program, that increases to 59%. And so we're seeing a fairly significant shift, and that's the kids are saying that, the parents are saying that, and actually the schools are saying they're seeing an even bigger lift. What we eat is significantly shaped by the food environment. VegPower's campaign is really positive. It's designed to promote a food environment where kids want to eat fruit and veg. But there are some big changes on the horizon in the UK. New high-fat, salt and sugar rules will impose media restrictions and promotional restrictions on unhealthy products. Volume promotions, such as buy one, get one freeze and two-for-one deals, will no longer be allowed for these items. A ban will come into a force on HFSS products being placed in secondary promotional locations, so end of aisle, for instance, and marketing of HFSS products will no longer be permitted in the digital space or on pre-watershed TV. 
The government wants to halve childhood obesity rates by 2030. How significant will these restrictions be in shifting the food environment and supporting families to make healthier choices? There are some very significant changes that happened. And there's an awful lot of other changes that appear to be quite significant, but probably not as significant as they feel, particularly around sort of like 9pm watershed and things of that nature. Uh, but actually what it's done is it's, it's, it's fundamentally changed the landscape that now has a very firmly established position that actually the industry has responsibility for what it does. The industry has a significant amount of responsibility for the health and well-being of the nation's children. And the industry has uh, an obligation to act in a responsible manner. And that is a landscape change. And that's a landscape change that's going to define what regulation looks like for years to come now, as it is a total game change. And the industry needs to understand that and respond to that in a really positive way. How do you think the industry should respond? I, I think in simple terms, my reading of Westminster at the moment is that where the industry is not entirely responsible, it will get regulated. And so I think areas to look at would be, uh, I think the industry needs to be very careful about misleading packaging. So it's that sort of pictures of fruit on the front of a packet. But actually, when you look at the ingredients, it's very much trace elements of that fruit. I think that kind of stuff, which is the industry's done for years to try and make their products appear to be a healthier choice when they're not a healthier choice, they will, I think they will find that comes into the spotlight very, very heavily. The use of cartoon characters to promote unhealthy products to kids, I think is going to come into the spotlight quite heavily. And other methods that are designed to appeal people towards eating too much unhealthy food. Because I think most of us would agree there's nothing wrong with unhealthy food in the right levels but the sort of things where you see very very full bowls of cereal on a packet and then on the back of the packet in small font it says don't use more than 30 grams i think there's going to be a hard pushback on that because if we look at the government we have they want to empower consumers to be able to make healthy choices and if they feel the industry is pushing against that then I think they'll find that the regulation boot comes down very, very hard. The industry needs to respond to that. That would be my reading. What's happening with a lot of the industry is people are actually starting to produce some really exciting healthier products. The problem is that it's quite hard for them to market their healthier products because they're so busy marketing their unhealthier products as healthier products that it's very hard to see the wood from the trees in terms of what are the healthier products. And the industry needs to have a very clear clear think about how it differentiates its its truly healthy products. So while unhealthy products are being sort of squeezed and clamped down on on the one side, that could actually unlock a lot of opportunity for healthier options. Yeah, of course it does, right? I mean, people are going to eat, right? And people are looking for convenience, they're looking for fun, and they're looking for excitement, and they're looking for taste. And yeah, there are lots of things that people are looking for in the food that they choose. Uh, and that can come from a whole different range of sources, whether it's... It, it, it's fresh produce or whether it's uh, packaged goods or whatever it might be. It's just that there is a, you know, I think there's a landscape change coming on with regard to health, with regard to transparency, with regard to climate that for me, I mean, we can see brands that are embracing that in a really positive way. And I think they're seeing some positive benefit from doing it. Wild Hair is a challenger brand that is focused on doing just that. 
founder Domini Fern has placed health and sustainability at the centre of this premium brand's identity. Alongside its adult range, which claims to be the UK's first net zero ready meal, the company has developed convenient kids ready meals that pack a powerful nutritional punch. I started on the on the path of this business sort of four years ago and currently only up to about now I used to be told that I was ahead of the game but it's so much coming into its own right. Dominic believes that the kids category generally and kids ready meals in particular are ripe for disruption. The sector is at a tipping point where nutrition is going to take centre stage. It just absolutely amazes me that we can allow our children to have a, a very cheap meal that's a, a, a pasta and a, and a sugary sauce and think that that's feeding our children and our next generation. So, you know, we absolutely, I'm, I'm addressing the nutrition. We're getting back to where we used to be in, in ancient grains and, and trying to have less processes in our food, um, but allowing it to filter through convenience as well, because we're all busy people. Convenience is really important, but so is putting food on the table that kids are going to eat. Has Wild Hair had any feedback where ancient grains aren't something a lot of children are familiar with, and so it becomes a struggle to get them to eat dinner? Or has your recipe development really struck a chord with families looking for dinners that are healthy and easy? Do you know what? Both. I think if your children haven't grown up on um, a wider base of food then yes it's difficult you're probably it's probably a, a harder transition to get children to enjoy meals that are more vegetables more ancient grains higher nutrition but that again then comes back to this advertising perhaps putting taxes on these food that makes the higher sugars and higher salt food more expensive so it pushes families away from this but other families have always had this these grains are tasty this this food is tasty so there isn't it isn't as hard but yeah we struggle both sides sometimes it's exactly what people know that they're looking for and because they can't get it and other times it, it is a, it is a harder impact for families that haven't fed them you know much more than regular sort of fries and burgers and things like that you mentioned some policy levers there that could be used to help shift the market towards healthier diets. What do you make of the new HFSS rules that will be coming into force in the UK? I think anything that we try and take away that targets kids with fast food and they see it as appetising and attractive, so anything that comes in to help move and shift our children only seeing these and thinking that's what food should be like has got to be a positive. What nutritional criteria do your products uh, meet or work to? Do you know, this is another real sad part that there is no actual legislation on children's food that says, you know, it needs to have this levels. We're just low. We we don't have any saturated fats. We don't add any emulsifiers or anything nasty that thickens product. And we only use natural sugars. And we even try and reduce that natural sugar level as well. So as, you know, harm for the teeth and, of, of course, obesity. And it's so low salt. You know, there's, there's a tiny bit of salt that comes into what we create our stocks with. But that is that is the only part. So we just keep everything as low to almost non-existent within the meals and we have a nutrition a nutritionist that works with us on those um, you know we we look for more natural solutions to to add the flavors rather than thinking of fortifying with anything that doesn't need to be in the meal what's interesting is the ingredient trends wild hair have identified are all things we've seen develop very strongly in the adult food space Dominique, do you think kids food formulation really needs to catch up yes i absolutely do and I still think it's crazy and we are waiting 
to launch with our children's food because the main reason that it's not being launched is is the price of the food we will pay more for an adult meal but we still seem to doesn't matter about the children's food well when food comes of high nutrition and high quality then it costs more but we seem to not want to pay that for what is fundamentally our children's nutrition and our generation's brains that are needing that goodness in them so I do think it I do think it lacks and looking at the marketplace that we have we have a lot more sort of home cooked more tastier meals coming from some of the brands that are out there but are they all meeting nutrition and sustainability the same way we are I'm not sure they are when you look at childhood nutrition at a landscape level giving access to healthy products has to be a priority and price does come into that equation this raises the question of whether food makers and retailers in general need to be doing more to leverage scale to make affordable nutrition available to all children everybody's seeing price increases at the moment so i think it's the time that the the larger supermarkets perhaps look at their margins and across a category obviously they they've, they've got to hit that what they need to but perhaps allowing for that scale to come in for the more nutritional product not to have to deliver as much on them on their profitability to the the supermarket scalability will have to come from uh, a reduction in margin with the supermarkets if they really do want this as part of what they are delivering to uh, their consumer when you're talking to supermarkets, are they open to the idea that this is what they want? This is the direction that they want to move in? I think it's absolutely the direction they want to move in. And and, and, and unfortunately, the constraints come from well, the constraints come from two things from from my side. It is from that sort of natural ceiling that's seen in convenience food. It's a cheaper section. It, um, therefore, especially with ready meals, that devil word. But it's also the brand. It's an unknown brand. What does the wild hair mean? We chose it to be the hair because the hair is a great indicator of biodiversity of the land. But actually, are people looking at it and not understanding it? Probably. So we've got a, a PR impact ourselves as a business to get out there to tell what people, what we're doing. So it becomes recognised, which then allows the product to be more expensive on the shelves. If we broaden the discussion out to look at the kids sector as a whole, has progress on nutrition been made and does it need to accelerate? I think with the guidelines that come in April next year with the HFSS, yes, that'll start the acceleration because people always start to follow once a larger legislation is is brought to the marketplace like this. I mean, it's a, it's a superb thing that's happening. So it will start to accelerate the marketplace away from, and I think, yes, we are seeing it. There are far more snacking solutions that are healthier than unhealthy, but are we seeing them in every place? No. If children aren't seeing on the TV, will they then recognise more what maybe their parents are putting in front of them, which is healthier? From from the legislation that will, or the regulations that will come from the HFSS, I think then we will start to see the acceleration naturally towards better nutritional guidelines, and actually perhaps guidelines coming in for exactly what children should have to you know help tackle the obesity problem. Toddler brand Organics has built its reputation for offering organic snacking options through its no junk promise. Earlier this year, the company released some research. It found 55% of children in the UK aged four and under have two or fewer portions of vegetables a day. That's two million children. 
One-fifth of UK preschoolers eat only one portion a day, while almost 116,000 infants were found to have no vegetables at all in their daily diet. And it's not just quantity. Organics highlighted a lack of dietary diversity, which is also a cause for concern. Only six vegetables make a regular appearance on children's plates. The company's new marketing campaign, Good for Planet, Good for Me, is somewhat out of left field. It isn't trying to promote organics products. Instead, the initiative hopes to get preschoolers eating just one more portion of fruit or veg a day. Organics has taken a look at some of the barriers to veg consumption. While its survey found most parents want their kids to eat more veg and more types of veg, almost one in three parents said they wouldn't preserve with a vegetable their child refused to eat for fear of upsetting them. Almost half admit to giving up on introducing new foods after just six attempts, despite the average time it takes for children to take a new food being 11 to 15 times. Emily Day, head of food development at Organics, explains how the company is leveraging innovation to help build familiarity. We carried out some research earlier this year with parents, which was called the plate of the nation. And our aim really was to better understand what what parents were most concerned about when it came to children's diet and how they needed support and, you know, how many portions of fruit and veg did their little ones need each day. And I think from that, we've really understood that, you know, there are gaps in what ones are are eating. The research showed that there was kind of lack of variety in the types of vegetables that made a regular appearance on children's plates. So, you know, with those being predominantly carrots, peas and potatoes, which are, you know, the most popular. But important to note here that potatoes don't count contribute towards one of the five a day. So through some of that research with parents, we really wanted to make sure that we're providing uh, information and support on healthy eating, the importance of varied diet and suitable portions for children. And at Organics, you know, the development of our foods is really important in everything that we do. You know, we believe that it's important that the foods we're developing and providing for little ones are made from quality ingredients, no no added salt or sugar or artificial colours or flavourings. And, you know, this is what we call our no jump promise. And all of our foods that we're developing come with that kind of promise to parents that there's nothing unnecessary added in our foods. And that's always been the case in the foods that we're developing. And in some of the new foods that we're developing, we are trying to build in that kind of um, those different new tastes of vegetables to allow little ones both in our foods and in the support that we're giving parents through Um, our communications through our website and through our recipes to allow them to try these different um, flavours that's important for their development. And when you talk about these flavours, it's really some of the bitter flavours, right? Like the broccoli bitterness that you're trying to introduce and get kids used to? Yeah, absolutely. So we know that um, little ones can be reluctant to try certain foods. And as you said, Katie, you know, more bitter tasting vegetables like broccoli and cabbage, those types of brassicas can be a real challenge. But by making food more fun, we know that it's possible to get children to engage with those um, flavours. Our research that we conducted also showed that actually the more times that parents struggle to give 
uh, to get children to eat those different types of, of vegetables. And, you know, we know that it's important to try foods with children kind of 11 to 15 times, which is the average time it takes for children to like a new food. Through the research that we did, we know that parents aren't always, you know, ready to persevere when it comes to trying a new food. So I think almost half the parents wouldn't try a new food more than six times. And actually of those, only 4% of parents really would try between the 11 to 15 times, as I said, it takes. So, you know, when encouraging little ones to eat, it's important that, you know, parents are aware of the fact that it can take 11 to 15 times for them to to get used to that flavour of those those tricky vegetables. The other thing that I think is really interesting is this campaign is really about shifting consumption patterns. It's not purely traditional marketing campaign that that focuses on your product. You're looking beyond your portfolio to encourage kids to eat more fruit and veg. Absolutely. So, you know, like I said, you know, we're obviously passionate about what we do in making foods and you know as the head of food development organics it's extremely important that through our no jump promise we're offering foods but you know we care about the health and well-being of little ones and we want to ensure that we're thinking about this both when developing our foods but beyond I think for organics you know campaigning has always been at the heart of what we do we want to ensure we're supporting parents on their journey with little ones through food we set out over 30 years ago and from then on, really, we've repeatedly challenged the government and industry to ensure that they're kind of doing the right thing for both parents and for children. And from research that we've done, and I guess feedback that we've had from parents over the year, despite parents' best efforts, they really struggle to, to you know, feed healthy, nutritious foods for their little ones. And they're looking for support and advice. And that campaign that we've did that I talk about, the Good for Planet, Good for Me, has really evolved from that awareness. And, you know, we want to provide support, ideas, inspiration, whatever we can really as a brand to ensure that that children are encouraged to eat healthier. And maybe, Katie, I could just give you some examples of some of the content of the campaign that we provided. So we've generated recipes and games and ideas for sensory activities that it provides advice for for parents which is really focused around fruit and vegetables and encouraging healthy eating and I guess importantly to say that that campaign for us was also rolled out to over 300,000 nursery school children and that was via a partnership that we did with um, the National Day Nursery Association so like you said we've taken it way beyond just the foods that we develop but really trying to reach as many uh, little ones and and um, the parents of those little ones that that we can. Do you think there should be more collaboration across industry and also civil society to really help shift kids' diets? I think so, and I think as as brands, that kind of responsibility of of selling foods also comes the responsibility of doing the right thing. And we've done lots of um, link ups with different people with Soil Association um, in the past and also, you know, more recently, like I said, with National Day Nurseries. And I think it's important that others follow suit. We hope that we're kind of leading the way in that and that others, you know, follow suit to do things more broadly than just, yeah, the, the foods that we develop as a brand. That kind of collaborative approach is really designed to shift the landscape. 
And obviously, we do have in the UK, the HFSS regulations set to come in. Do you support that kind of government intervention to um, move the needle when it comes to kids' diets? Um, yeah, so I think as, as a children's food brand, you know, we absolutely will support anything that's trying to improve the diet and the well-being of little ones. We have an internal policy at Organics that's always been that advertising foods must be targeting adults and not children. We welcome those sorts of interventions that are being made. Are there any other changes you think either industry or the government or education systems need to make to really help transition children's diets? I guess it's just making sure that there's a level playing field for everyone who's developing foods for babies, toddlers, kids, you know, older children. I think it's important that there is clear guidance and that everyone you know, has to adhere to the same practices so that parents can really trust the foods that they're buying. And trust is crucial here. Expectations are heightening for kids' food brands to provide accessible, affordable, convenient options that don't sacrifice nutrition. Failure to do so risks losing the trust of parents. And, as the HFSS regulations suggest, if the industry is perceived as acting irresponsibly, this could ultimately see further government intervention, with regulators taking a more aggressive approach to reshaping how we feed our children to combat obesity and poor health outcomes. Thanks for listening in to this edition of the Food Navigator podcast. Do be sure to tune in next time when we'll be discussing the flavour and colour trends that are tingling taste buds and lighting up Insta feeds.